Live. 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 Live from New York. This is the Just End the Suffering Podcast. For the win. Got it! Oh! He broke his ankle! Follow me! Follow me to freedom! Here's your host, Mike Phillips. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the latest episode of the Just End the Suffering Podcast with New York Sports Talk and Long Suffering Fan. I'm your host, Mike Phillips. I got a good show for you this week. We got a two-episode week. We're going to start off the week this week, talk about the New York Giants. They're coming off the bye week. A big game on in Tampa Bay on Monday night to kick off the second half of their season to try and make a seemingly long shot run at the playoffs. So we'll take a look at them with Jerry Foley of the Giant Insider newspaper and podcast. Talk about them in just a bit. Make sure you're locking in each other this week's two-minute drill where we're going to do the Met GM search. We have more updates, and I do not like how this played out. Talk about that at the end of the show. The NFL picks will be later on in the week. I'm be joined by Cole Fan, Dan DiMartini. We're going to also talk about the premiere of the in-season Hard Knocks featuring his Colts. So that's going to be coming up on Friday, on a football Friday. But we'll get it all started with the opening tip. With my thoughts on Big Blue as they get ready to start the second half of their season right after this. Ready for this? The opening tip. And here we go. All right, opening tip. You're going to talk New York Giant football here. The Giants are on a bye this week. They had week 10 off. And I figure it's a good time to sort of check in on them, assess their season. First half of the year for the Giants. Pretty much a disaster. They went three and six, which, as I mentioned last week, somehow their best first half since 2016. That tells you a lot about the state of the Giants that this was the best half of football they put together, the best nine game stretch to start a season since the playoff year. They deserve credit. Obviously, they won two of their last three. The story of the first half for them to me is missed opportunities. They could have had that Chiefs game. Remember, they picked off Patrick Mahomes, but they were offsides on the play. Mahomes ended up going down, leading them to the winning points. They had the Washington game won because Washington missed a field goal, but Dexter Lawrence lined up offsides. Washington gets another chance. The game's over. Losses to Atlanta and Denver the first couple of weeks of the season are also not age well. His teams are pretty mediocre. Atlanta's 4-4 four and four somehow in the driver's seat for a wild card spot after nine weeks. Denver, again, mediocre. Prior to the Dallas game, and basically just beating who they're supposed to and losing to all the good teams. Those are four big games. If you split those, instead of going 0-4 in them, you're 5-4 in a wildcard spot. If you win one, you're 4-5 in a much better place. The thing with the Giants that makes it very difficult to assess them, it's hard to pinpoint exactly what the big flaw is. The defense has had its moments. They've been pretty good the last couple of weeks. They slowed down the Chiefs' offense, which many people thought they would do. The problem is they've had flaws. James Bradbury has not had a good year. They lost Blake Martinez early in the season. That not helped. Larry Williams has not been the same player he was last year. Daniel Jones has been good. He's not been great. There are still the occasions with the turnover, but he's played well enough in the window pretty much every game. He hasn't had that outright disaster to say, oh my God, they have to move off him. 
but at the same time, he has not had that game where you say, wow, this is a franchise quarterback here. When you watch Daniel Jones, you sort of say, he's a good quarterback. You put the right system around him, we can win with him. But is he the guy you're going to pay top dollar to? I don't know. They have to make that decision soon because at the end of this year, they have to pick up his fifth-year option or decline it. You pick it up, you're into a pretty decent salary increase. I'm sure what they're going to do there. The offensive line, Andrew Thompson been better. The line as a whole has had issues. They've had some good moments. The receivers are either hurt or inconsistent. I mean, Kenny Galladay's missed time. Kadarius Tony, he's looked good when he's played. He's missed time. Sterling Shepard's missed time. Darius Slayton has been there the most, but he's also missed time. Evan Ingram is Evan Ingram. He has some great moments and he has drops or you're seeing the giant fans cheering leaves the field. As a whole, they feel like a very meh team. They have to overcome a lot of poor coaching and roster construction to try and win. The good analogy I'll give you here, I think, for them is that they're sort of like the NBA team that is hovering around the eight seed. That's the upside this giant team has right now, in my opinion. That's the worst place you want to be. And this is a team that has not been rebuilding where you could say, oh, we're on upward trajectory here. They have been, quote, going for it since 2019. Since 2018, actually, when Dave Gallen took over and decided to take Saquon Barkley instead of a young quarterback or an offensive lineman or Bradley Chubb to kick off a rebuild. They have not been good. They really should, at this point, blow the whole thing up. The concern you have here as a Giants fan. The Giants schedule is pretty soft down the back half here. Here's what you got coming up starting week 11. Again, I went over this last week, but I'll go over it for emphasis. This Monday night, they are in Tampa Bay against the Buccaneers. They host the Eagles, who have not looked great this year. Jalen Hurts has not been a superstar at quarterback. Then they go to Miami, where the Dolphins have not been good. They're awful this year. They go to the LA Chargers, in a quote-unquote road game where the Chargers are going to have a lot of Giant fans there. The Chargers have not been great since that 4-1 start. They got smacked in Baltimore, came out the bye, lost badly to the Patriots, barely beat the Eagles. The Chargers are struggling. They got the Cowboys coming into MetLife. That's going to be a tough game. You have down the stretch at the Eagles, at the Bears who have trouble scoring points. Washington coming at home. Remember, Daniel Jones is most successful in the NFL before that comes against Washington. He's, I believe, 4-1 in his career against Washington. Remember, though, they are 3-6. and six. They probably need to go minimum 6-2. and two. There's an outside shot 5-3 and three here. Gets you that last NFC wildcard spot. Top Atlanta. And remember, they lost that game to the Falcons back in Week 3. That's one they really want to have back right now. New Orleans in that mix. They have a tiebreaker on New Orleans. Because they have teams that are ahead of them right now just because they played more games. Minnesota, who who knows what Viking team you're going to get week to week. The Bears, the Niners, Seattle, if Russell Wilson comes back healthy, etc. The worry you have here is that they win enough to go 6-11 and 11 or 7-10, and 10, fall just short, and then John Mara sits there and says, hmm, it'll be progress. Slow start, we finish well, let's run it back again. You don't want to be in that middle ground. You can get there, but you hope that the owner has the foresight to say, you know what, this process is not work. We need to start over. We're going to dive more into the Giants right after this call from their week nine win over the Las Vegas Raiders, courtesy of CBS's Kevin Harlan. 
Chucking down in five, fake to Penny. And down the sideline, it's caught for a touchdown! Grabbed by Evan Ingram! The tight end for a second consecutive game has caught one for six. All right, we are back here talking New York Giants football on the Just End Suffering podcast. Join me today, had on a couple times before, the editor of the Giant Insider newspaper and co-host of the Giant Insider podcast, Jerry Foley is here. Jerry, how are you? Good, Mike. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah, good to, good to have you on here. I figured a good time to catch up with the Giants on their bye this week. And the first half, not what most fans are hoping for here. So what was your overall take on what the Giants did in the first half of the year? I mean, it was like a tale of, I don't know. Uh, it was a tale of two halves of a half. You know, the first, excuse me, the first five or six games, the offense looked like it was, I mean, other than game one, it, it looked like it could function. And then all of a sudden, the defense starts playing the way we thought it would in preseason, the last three games. And the offense is kind of struggling now. And, and a lot of that's because of the injuries. And, you know, the offensive line is, is in shambles right now with Thomas out and Lemieux and Gates. And, I mean, they've just suffered tremendously. And it was a big question mark coming into the season. So, you know, that unit had so many question marks coming in. And now most of them are hurt other than, like, Will Hernandez, right? So, I just think that finally the defense is playing the way we expected. It's just that the, you know, the giants are still trying to figure out how to win. And if they could have just beaten Atlanta and Washington or just Atlanta, you know, they'd be in good, they'd be in decent shape right now at four and five. I'm not saying they're out of it at three and six, but they would be in such better shape at at four and five. So overall, um, you know, just uh, C minus disappointing right now overall. Yeah, I think I agree with you because it's just one of those things where you look at what the state of the NFC is outside of those top five. There's such an opportunity here, and you're right. If they yeah. won one of those games against Atlanta or held on against the Chiefs or Washington or even beating Denver week one, they still got a much different story right now. Yeah, everybody says, though, they could be six and three. And I guess they could, but realistically, they, they could be five and four. That's That's where they probably should be. They should have won that Washington game. They should have won the Atlanta game. And you can make the argument they could have won the Chiefs game, but you know, just the way it works, you probably would have lost one of them. But the Washington game and the Atlanta game were there, and and they were inferior teams. I still say they're inferior teams. The Giants play Atlanta again. I think they actually smoke them. So it's a matter of, and Chris and I always talk about this, it's when you play a team more than who the opponent is, right? So uh, when the Giants played the Chiefs, you know, preseason, you look at the Chiefs game, you're like, oh, that's a loss. Well, by the time they play the Chiefs with the issues they have on the offensive line and and Mahomes having the year he has, it's like, well, the Giants can win this game. So I just feel like they should be five and four. And if they were, I think Giant fans would feel pretty good going into the second half, which is, uh, or second 47%, whatever you want to call it now. It's not really a half uh, of the schedule. Um, I'm feeling pretty good because the, it's not as daunting as the first part of it was. Yeah, for sure. I want to take a look at the offense here. As you mentioned, there's a lot of injuries along the line. I mean, Saquon Barkley's been out for a while. The receiver's been out of the lineup. But they've had some moments here. What do you think about the Giant offense so far? How do you think they've done? Despite the injuries, they've done okay. I mean, Jason Garrett, it's funny, man. There's such hatred of him in social media and among Giant fans. But then he goes and he calls a good game. It's just that he doesn't seem to back them up, right? He calls a good game, then he falls into his old habits. And then he calls a good game, and then he doesn't. So, you know, I don't think he's going to be back next year. I I shouldn't say that. I, I, I think... 
I think there's a 50, 50 chance he's not back next year. Um, but the, the Giants, have, they really only had all their weapons for the New Orleans game, and, and look what happened, right? Look how explosive they were. So they've managed to get through nine games, and you just want to see more. You want to see Tony with the ball more in his hands. Daniel Jones looks like he can be the quarterback, but, you know, we talk about it on the podcast, like he leaves you kind of wanting more a bit. Like he's a good quarterback, and he's, he's more careful with, than he used to be, but – they just he has to take that next step and say you know what he's the, the to, to the point where you say you know what this is the guy this is the franchise we're going to go forward with him we're going to build around him uh, you know over the next few drafts and and really solidify the offensive line in this offense but so this I guess my point is despite the injuries they've done okay it's just they still have you wanting more from them because even when guys like Tony Ingram are healthy they're just. You know, they're okay. They're they're not really moving the ball the way we had anticipated. Yeah, it's certainly true. And the Daniel Jones situation is fascinating, too, because obviously they make a decision on at the end of this year with whether or not to pick up the fifth-year option or not. And he's played pretty well for the most part. He's had occasions of the turnovers, not nearly as many as last year, and he's played pretty well. But have the Giants seen enough here, you think, to say, oh, this is definitely the guy? Or is there a point here you say, oh, he's good, but he has an up, he has a ceiling. We have to try and plan around. Yeah, I really think you're going to see in these last seven games. I think they obviously want him to be the guy, but you know you don't know what's going to happen with Dave Gettleman, right? I, I mean, I don't want to jump subjects, but if Dave Gettleman's not back, the new GM may come in and say, you know what, we're going in a different direction at quarterback. This is not the guy that I want. So there's so much in flux. There's so many, you know, there's so many moving parts with this organization. I. I don't. I think it's going to take the rest of the season before you can definitely say, "Okay, this is the guy." And, and even then, who the hell knows what the next GM says? So if Gettleman comes back, which I really don't think he will, then they're probably going to stick with Jones. But the new GM, I don't. I, I have no idea who it is, and we have no idea what direction he'll go. Yeah. Before we get to Gell, I want to get to the defense too because the defense yeah. was so good last year, and then it was like a dumpster fire the first week, six weeks of the season. That particular those Cowboys Rams games back to back are awful. Then I don't know whether it was Sam yeah. Darnold showing up and giving them a bunch of turnovers to build their confidence. All of a sudden, they played great the last three games. What's the big turnaround you noticed here? The secondary is playing way better, right? They're they're um, Adoree Jackson has has played up to what we thought he was going to be. They now have another corner opposite Bradbury, and Bradbury struggled early on too. It, it's it's really the secondary that was it was almost a foregone conclusion that they were going to be very good. They should be one of the best in the league. I mean, the three safeties they have with Julian Love being the fourth. Um, that, that right away you look at that on paper and you think, man, these guys are set up nicely. Then you got Bradbury and Jackson, and then. You know, Darnay Holmes, you have the rookie Aaron Robinson, who's now finally starting to play. Like, they're loaded. But for whatever reason, early on, they were slow to react to things. They were playing a lot of zone, and it wasn't working. They weren't closing the windows, as we say on our podcast. Um, and there was no pass rush. Like, you know, the, the best the best gift you can give a secondary is pressure on the quarterback. And they weren't getting there. And now... You know, don't look now, but Leonard Williams has five and a half sacks. Aziz Ojolari has five or five and a half, I believe. You know, there is somewhat of a pass rush. They still need a marquee primary guy, but the pass rush has come on as of late, and Dexter Lawrence seems to be playing better now. So 
I just think it all kind of came together at once. The pass rush came about, and then the secondary started playing way better than they were early on in the season. Yeah, it's really makes some sense. I want to get to guys the two big guys who have their futures in question here with Daigle and and Joe Judge. Jalen seems like the easier one. I feel like unless they have the massive turnaround here and somehow make the playoffs, I think he's a goner. Would you agree with that? Yes. Yeah, I don't see how I don't see how the Giants can even be eight and nine and say we're headed in the right direction with Dave Gettleman because you just you you look at his his free you look at not only is some of his free agents but I mean he said on some but you look at the drafts and I mean look Barkley's hurt but he's still a number two overall but then you start looking at like you know Lorenzo Carter he hasn't done anything B J Hill traded away Kyle Lalletta gone like that two thousand. 18 draft like will hernandez right now is the best of that draft and that's insane if you think about you know last year the year before that will hernandez is probably the steadiest and and most likely to get a second contract out of that draft right now then you look at 2019 and you got daniel jones okay we still question mark dexter lawrence looks pretty good right Oh, Shane Zimmon is is a disaster He, he makes lorenzo carter look like lawrence taylor like he hasn't done anything and you just go through these drafts and Darius Slayton's okay. Um, you know, then you go to like, you know, 2000, what, 2020. And you see, um, you know, Andrew Thomas was, was a good pick. Xavier McKinney was a good pick. Perth's still a question, but we think he was good. Holmes, you know, Carter Coughlin. Like it's, it's, it, it, it seemed to get better the last couple of years, but early on, um, you know, he, to the 2018 draft, which, you know, the, the, you, ju- you judge a draft three or four years later, and I just feel like sometimes we're feeling the effects of that now. Like, Lorenzo Carter and B.J. Hill should have been something. One's off the team and one does nothing, right? Uh, it, it's, I'm, I'm by, I, I, I miss DeAndre, DeAndre Baker, I believe. DeAndre Baker was drafted. Uh, that's a complete and utter disaster. So he's just missed too much. And most importantly, he hasn't built the line like he said he was going to, or what was expected of him, and it's year four. Yeah, the line thing's definitely a big problem. I mean, the first time he came in here, he was like, oh, I got to get the hog mollies. You got to have the line humming here, and feels like Andrew Thomas right. with his first pick last year might have been the worst of the four tackles that went in that first round. Then you have all the other guys who have not lost the hype, and that's sort of going to seal your fate. Well, in fairness to Thomas, he's, he was playing really well this year, right? So last year, yes, but this year he looks really good. The problem is when he came on, right, he, you know, I'm, I'm trying to think, he signed Solder to that massive contract. Now, I actually understood why he signed Solder, because we had Eric Flowers. But then he brought in Patrick Omame. Like he, he drafted Will Hernandez in, in round two, high in round two. He didn't work out really till now. Um, and I'm trying to think of that line back then. Like, it just it wasn't good. And he, Okay, that's year one. Then year two, the line's actually, you, you could argue the line's worse, right? Like, he just didn't build it up. And then this year, you know, last year he drafted Matt. He drafted Thomas and Pert, and Pert's still a question mark. You know, he could be good, but you know, you didn't draft anyone this year, and you had a chance at Rashawn Slater. So, the, the fact I, I still don't understand how he didn't draft one lineman. Maybe he didn't want. Maybe he liked Tony, and you wanted him in round one. Fine, but there were linemen to be had throughout the entire draft that he didn't pick. And you know, if you think we're crazy, when you look at the end of training camp, you know, the starters were. What it was Thomas Lemieux, Gates, Hernandez, and Parrott, and with Solder backing up. 
That's the only constant. Everyone else was moved. So everybody else they had on the roster, they got rid of, and they brought in new guys. They traded for Billy Price. They brought in Scurra. So there was zero depth to go along this offensive line. That's all on Dave Gettleman, all of it. Yeah, 100%. I feel like Gettleman's the easy one. The harder one is Joe Judge. I feel like the blue was caught the rose a little bit from year one to year two, or last year was everybody saying, oh, they're competing hard, they have a good identity, and then this year he's making questionable challenge choices, he's blaming headsets yeah. for when things aren't going wrong with clock management, his team is supposed to be disciplined, and they're committing penalties at the worst time. So what do you think about Joe Judge here? Do you think that John Merritt would still hold on to him even if he lets go of Gettleman? Well, you have to think like if they let go of Gettleman, will the next will will the will the will it be a condition for the next GM to keep Judge? I, I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't know what John Maris thinking. I hope they keep Joe Judge. Uh, he, they, they play hard for him. The way they're rallying right now, and and I know it's you know one game, but you know two of the last three they've won. They beat Carolina. They you know, they lost to the Chiefs, but then you know they won this past week against the Raiders. They are playing for him. Um, and, and yeah, you're right. His use of timeouts is careless and, you know, almost borderline irresponsible this year. But overall, um, I think my biggest issue with Joe Judge is his unwillingness to move on from Garrett. But I don't know if that was because, you know, John Mara, you know, hired Garrett and I think he interviewed Garrett before he interviewed Judge. So, there's a lot of things Judge does that, that are annoying, but I still believe he's the he's the right guy going forward. I, I, if there's another GM, I hope they keep Joe Judge as coach of this team. I, I think he's got the Giants on the right track, and I think they most importantly play hard for him. And I I do like you know Patrick Graham as the defensive coordinator. So everything he's kind of done there, I never once blamed Patrick Graham when the Giant defense wasn't playing well. There were a couple of things he could have done better, but. Patrick Graham is a, a great defensive mind. So there's, there has been more that Joe Judge has done right than he's done wrong. I guess that's my point. Yeah, it's really a fair point. My counter would be, obviously, I'm coming from a Jets background here. I remember this sort of happened in 2013 when the Jets moved on from oh, yeah. right, moved on from Tannenbaum, brought in Idzik, and then you had different times where Rex Ryan was trying to win to save his job, and Idzik was trying to take the yeah. long term, and they both end up gone in two years. So that's the risky sort of run, I think, in my opinion. If you key judge is trying to win in year three and bringing a GM was a long view. So they got to rebuild this whole thing. Yeah, that's the, that's the danger, right? And that's the example that you want to, that you have to look at. And you think, Oh my God, are we going to make the same mistake the jets made? You know, this has been done already. So if I had to guess the, it, there is going to be somewhat of a condition. I, again, dude, I have no idea, but I would think that they're going to bring someone in who is on board with Joe judge and to a lesser extent, Daniel Jones. That's 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 what I'm that's what I'm predicting and guessing. All right, that's the that's the far. We just go back to the near future now. They're coming off the bye here. They're coming. They're going out to Tampa in Week Eleven here. The schedule, of the second half, I think, lightens up considerably. Look at who they play. Like, do you think they can yeah. make a good run here in the second half? Not even make make the playoffs. At least keep things interesting down the stretch here. I, I used the quote from uh, from Hoosiers um, when they made the semifinals and, and Gene Hackman was like, you know, the, the dream of making the finals, it's something to this effect. The dream of making the finals is it's a dream. So let's just leave it where it is. And I think that's the approach the giants have to take. Like it's one week at a time. I think if they beat the Buccaneers on Monday night, having two weeks to prepare with looks like Barkley coming back, Galladay may be healthier. Um, then I, then I get excited. They gotta be, they got, they have to beat the Buccaneers for this to be anything. If they go to three and seven, it's, it, you know, it, it, 
it could happen, but for all intents and purposes, it's over, right? So you got to beat the Bucks, and then you got the Eagles, who they don't really scare anybody, right? And the Giants got off that hump last year by beating the Eagles. So, and I, I'm sorry, but the fact that the Eagles quit last year and put in their backup quarterback that that still stings, right? Peterson's gone, Wentz is gone, but that's still a thing, and I think the Giants will be reminded of that. But before any Giant fan gets excited. They they got to beat the Buccaneers on Monday night, or or really three and seven. It's just it's too tall a task. Yeah, I think it's certainly a must win game for the Giants. And Tampa Bay does have some issues. The Antonio Brown is hurt right now. Rock Gronkowski's hurt. Might be out for a couple more weeks. So there's a spot right. to get Tampa. This is probably the time. It is, and and look, you know, with with the offensive weapons coming back, that that definitely helps, right? The defense playing is what all it is. The fact you have two weeks to get ready for them, that should help. So. If there was a time, you know, they, they played them tough last year. They were up in that game. They only lost by two. Um, you know, nobody's, I mean, I'm not afraid of, the Giants aren't afraid of Tampa Bay. This isn't the, nobody's joking. This isn't the 78 Steelers they're going against. So, you know, it's, a, it's a definitely a winnable game. All these games are winnable. Like, that's a, the beauty of the NFL, man, this year. Like, look at Jacksonville beating the Bills. You know, who the hell saw that? So, yeah, if there was a time to play them, I think it's now. Yeah, I would agree. Jerry, thanks for all the time. I really appreciate it. Before I let you go, I'll be a fan on social media. Keep up with what you're doing off the Giant Insider newspaper and podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, www.thegiantinsider.com for the newspaper and then the podcast for on all platforms. iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, you name it. And uh, Twitter account is at Giant Insider. All right, Jerry. Thanks for all the time. I really appreciate it. Bye, bud. The Two-Minute Drill. All right, two-minute drill time. Let's talk about this Mets executive search, which has taken on a life of its own over the past couple of weeks. And this is not a direction I thought this was going. I am very, very, very disappointed with how this ended up because we finally heard something from the Mets because they had the GM meetings this week. Sandy Alderson went down to Carlsbad to be the Met representative because technically he is running the team and basically got his meandering response of, we talked to some people. We were denied permission, which is true. And a lot of people were denied permission. Some people were saying no. Sandy says first, like, oh, it's New York. Some people don't want to come to New York. Walk that back. Very confusing here. And the thing here that bothers me is that this search took on such a life of its own. So many leaks. The organization looks so bad. And it doesn't really matter who the end result is here. I mean, we're talking about guys, the names that we're here here. We're, I mean... You have guys who are out of the league for four years in uh, Billy Epler from the Angels who is trying to get himself back in the game. They basically got so frustrated with these guys getting in there. They did not want to go get rejected again and again and again. The one thing here that's interesting with this situation is that Sandy Olsen basically described this here as a one-year opportunity. It said quote-unquote, there be at least a year runway for blank, a GM hire, demonstrate their ability and their potential. All said to you, this is according to The Athletic. I said to others in the past, that's the opportunity. That's all you can ask for. Demonstrate ability tends to get rewarded. Now, that explains a lot as to why they're not getting people because in addition to the whole, you might not have people who jiving with Steve Cohen's, I want to win in three to five years because some people saying, no, I want to rebuild. And he's saying, I'm not going to do that. You have the presence of Sandy Alderson still being there with his son, Bryn Alderson, so you question your autonomy. You have the important fact of permission being that I don't think it's talked about enough is that a lot of these owners, I think, are terrified of Steve Cohen's money. 
and don't want to let a talented executive go there and use the money to beat them. That being said, with this factor coming out here that they're looking at this as a placeholder, basically, and until somebody comes in is hired above them to run the whole thing. They get the long, elusive player president of baseball operations. The guys like your Adam Cromey, who does a lot of assistant GM things with Washington. I mean, Mike Rizzo was there. He said he's basically a rules guy, arbitration, contracts, analytics-based. He's sort of like being a day-to-day kind of guy doing all the numbers that while Sandy has a unsized influence again. It seems like the game plan here is we're going to go until David Stern's contract expires after 2022, which the Mets seem to believe that he has an option he can pick up or decline. We don't know yet. It's been rumored that Stearns was 36 to start out in the Mets organization. Group of Mets fan wants the job, but got denied by the Brewers. Remember back when the Mets were linked to Dan Arnold, who was the Brewer GM, that the Brewers denied permission for him to talk and then gave him a contract extension, which kind of makes you think they're worried Stearns is going to leave as soon as he can. That's a dangerous game to play. To have a plan saying, you know what, we're going to wait one year and hire David Stearns. What if Milwaukee wins the World Series and David Stern says, you know what, I'm good here. I'm not going to come. What if you're waiting for him and he has an off-the-field scandal? What happens if the Brewers give him a lot of money and said, you want, we want you to stay? And he says, okay. Waiting for that guy is a mistake. And it's just putting the can down the road. You better be damn sure that he's coming. Or... Somebody of that caliber is coming, whether it's Brian Cashman, whether it is maybe Billy Bean a year from now says, I feel like doing it. You have to be sure on this, and there's no certainty in baseball, and the path they're taking here is a very risky one because right now, this is going to be a Sandy Alderson run offseason. I get they have a lot of money. He's already said that they're going to blow basically past the luxury tax because you look at the way the payroll is structured here with the contracts, with Robinson Cano being back on the books. They're going to have to because if they want to compete and they want to win and Steve Cohen is not going to settle for this, you know, we're going to stay under the tax garbage. They're going to be going way over this and you're going to see some big signs. There's Javi Baez coming back or as Chris Bryant, some big pitching, you name it. There's going to be a lot of moves coming in here. And you're adding contracts to the pile here. They try to protect the draft pick from what it sounds like, which is probably smart because they need to rebuild the farm system as well and having those two first round picks gives you always money to play with. It's tough because you're trying to win right now and then you could build yourself into albatross and then condates decide, you know what? I don't like this job anymore. I don't want to go there. Like I'd rather stay in my own situation. Between that, between the Alderson sandwich, between the rumors about Cohen, I think it's going to be a very tricky spot here. The Mets. I don't think it's as simple as they want to make it out to be, oh, we're going to wait till 2022 and hire our guy. And don't forget, they still don't have a manager yet. That search still hasn't happened. We heard the Mets say while they're from Sandy's, like, oh, you know, only two teams are looking for manager right now, so we'll be all right. The Mets also don't have a coaching staff. The only guy they have left on the staff is Jeremy Hafter. Everybody else they let go. Not a lot of these teams are going to be inclined to help the Mets right now and give them permission to talk to their coaches for manager jobs. You're going to be left way behind trying to fill needs you have. And there's been a run on hitting coaches. There's been a run on other key staffers. This whole offseason has just been them spinning in place for a month and a half, trying to go get the Golden Goose, then saying, you know, we'll go talk to some other guys. We don't want the other guys. We're going to wait for the Golden Goose, and we're going to bring in the guy like Adam Cromie to 
help Sandy run everything for a year and then see what happens at that point. That's not a plan. That's like the complete opposite of what Steve Cohen was does in the business world. Where he is a shark. He gets what he wants done. He has a plan. This is like, uh, we're going to wait and see. I don't like it. I think there's a lot of off-season decisions to be made in this roster. Knowing that Sandy has to do it is terrifying because his luck the past few years has been really bad. He's made some bad calls. We will see what happens here, but my confidence in this team went way down. I hope they prove me wrong the big offseason, but the dollars got to be flying to make up for some of the mistakes they've made in this process. All right, that will do it for the first show of the week. I want to thank Jerry Foley of the Giant Insider newspaper and podcast for calling in to talk all about the Giants as they get ready to start the second half of the year. It'll be interesting to finish the season for Big Blue. They have a lot of work to do. If they want to try and make a desperate playoff push, get some wins, can make things interesting. We'll see what happens there. More on stuff like this podcast, including my long-awaited review of Shang-Chi and Marvel fans, I know I could not get the theater for it. I was just too busy with life. Finally got to it. Now it's on Disney+. Plus. Check out the IMAX quality, which is stellar, by the way. I highly recommend that option if you've seen it already. Check out the blog over at justendthesuffering.wordpress.com. Go subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon, all the usual suspects. Simply search for Just End the Suffering, your favorite podcast platforms, and final episodes there. Feel free to leave your feedback and star ratings as well. We'll make the podcast even better going forward. You can also follow my YouTube page, Mike Phillips on YouTube. The video version of this chat with Jerry Foley is up there right now. So, again, Mike Phillips on YouTube. You want to check that out. You can also follow me on Twitter at mphillips331. That's M-P-H-I-L-I-P-S-331. All right, and that will wrap it up for our first show of the week. Coming up on Football Friday, Week 11 Picks, Hard Knocks, and more. Until then, have a good week, everybody. This has been the Just End the Suffering Podcast. I'm out.